see everyone here. It's just to say, obviously I was here last week um, leading worship, but uh, it's so good to be back with Christ Central after a three-month sabbatical. If you don't know me, if you've forgotten who I am, my name's Mark. Um, I'm one of the leaders here. Um, it was such a privilege uh, to take the sabbatical, actually, to take three months and uh, go and visit friends and family in the UK primarily, but also in Oman, uh, in Vancouver. Um, it's just so good to see what God is doing in different places. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you more about that another time, maybe. Today we have uh, another focus. In fact, I actually believe it's about it's four months since I was last preaching here. Um, and uh, I know a number of people have said they're really keen to know if I'm going to get through the rest of the less covered two seasons um, before we go. We're potentially going to church time in Halifax next year, potentially then. So, um, you know, are we going to finish the seasons? Well, I, I don't know. We might not even go back to the seasons. Um, just to throw that bombshell in there. <laughs> we're not there today. We're not there today. Um, because we're in our 40 days of prayer, and uh, so we're going to preach about that, as people have been doing over the last few weeks. So we're in Acts today, Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 31. If you want to find that in your Bible, that would be great. The words are going to appear on the screen. Here's what's been happening so far before Acts 4, just to catch you up with what's been happening in the early church. Jesus has died on the cross. He's been miraculously raised to life. He's met with his disciples a number of times, and then he's told them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and that they are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is going to be the start of God's glorious church. And then after, after uh, you know, a number of days, the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost, and the disciples began to preach the word of God boldly. Many miracles were happening. People came to faith. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple. They met a man uh, sitting there who was, who was lame, and they, and they prayed for him, and he got healed. And he went into the temple with them, caused a real stir. People were like, what's going on, you know, to say the least. And this ended up with Peter and John being put in prison. And they were brought before the religious leaders who didn't quite know what to do with them. Um, but what they did do was they said, well, we're forbidding you to speak about Jesus to anyone. It's actually a very similar situation to some of the places around the world today. Even in Oman, where I went, um, people aren't allowed to speak about Jesus to Omani, uh, as far as the authorities are concerned. Um, and that's what they were told. You know, you're not allowed to speak about Jesus to anyone. So that's it. That's it. That's the end the end of the story, the end of the early church, the end of Christianity. Of course, it wasn't. It wasn't. But it could have been. It could have been. It could have ended right there. Let's read the passage and see exactly what did happen. We're going to go from verse 18 in chapter 4. Then they, the, the, uh, the religious leaders, called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help speaking about what we've heard and seen. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. 
on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers stand together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was taken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Okay. So what is the disciples' response, the apostles' response to the authority? Well, first of all, Peter and John point out that there are two different authorities here. And in this situation, they cannot obey both. The religious leaders are trying to exert their authority. They're trying to say, you're not able to speak about Jesus. But yet Jesus has said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. See what's going on there. There's two different authorities and they're saying two different things. And so the apostles, Peter and John, are saying, well, shall we listen to you? Or shall we listen to God? What do you think is right? They've learned that, that, that kind of like trick question thing that Jesus used to do. It's probably to pick it up off Jesus. Well, which do you think is right? You answer it. But as far as we're concerned, we know exactly what we should be doing. Should we listen to you? Should we listen to God? And that's a question that, that we have to ask ourselves in certain circumstances these days. Multiple people are in authority. But where one authority clashes with God's authority and they're saying contradictory things, we have to decide who we're going to listen to. The school teachers have got authority over our children. They do have authority over our children. And so do parents. Who has the most authority? Biblically, parents have the overriding authority in bringing up their children. But in our society, we're going to be challenged on that. We're going to be challenged on that in the same way that the apostles were challenged here. The religious leaders do have some authority. But Jesus has all authority, delegated to him by the Father. So the apostles know the answer to the question. We need to listen to God. But of course it's not that simple, because threats and intimidation come. Even after they indicated that they were going to follow Jesus and obey him, they were threatened again by the leaders before they let them go. And of course, these were the same religious leaders who had killed Jesus, put him to death. Of course, he was miraculously raised to life again, but still the threat was very real. But it wasn't an empty threat. So what's the disciples' first response when they go back and tell the others? Well, they go back to the other believers, to their own people at first, to the church, and they report what has been said to them. They tell them the story. This is what's been said to them. But then as soon as everybody heard the report, it says they began to pray about it. Because prayer was where the battle was going to be won. Prayer was going to 
he read a passport that said he had one. Let me put it very plainly and simply, because the situation is no different today. There is a battle on for the future of Jesus' church. And the way we are going to win that battle is in prayer. It's as simple as that. There is a battle. And the battle is going to be won in prayer. It's interesting. Before the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, you don't actually see much corporate prayer going on in the New Testament, much prayer together. Jesus would often withdraw. He would often pray, speak to his Heavenly Father, but you don't tend to see him gathering his disciples around and praying together with them. In fact, the time when he does ask them to pray with him, he still goes on a little bit, the time he asks them to pray with him, they fell asleep. That might be your response as well sometimes when you're trying to pray. But as soon as the Holy Spirit has come and filled the believers and the church is born, then we see that gathering together to pray becomes a really common thing. We see often reported in the New Testament. The church prayed together before in Antioch before they sent Paul and Barnabas out to start and establish other churches, to plant other churches. When Peter was imprisoned later on, they gathered together, the church, to pray for his release. When eldership teams are, are going to be established in a local church, they gather together and they pray together for those eldership teams to be strengthened. Basically, any time something major was happening in the life of the church, the church prayed together. And that is what a prayer meeting is. Or should I say that's what it should be. A prayer meeting isn't just some boring endurance test that we have to get to. Or that we just feel, oh, you know what, I really feel like this today. We feel duty-bound to go to. I mean, prayer meetings can be boring if we're just praying dutifully through a list of things. If we're just scrabbling about, not really knowing, well, what can we say about it? Because you know what, if there's nothing much going on in church life, then there's nothing to pray about. And so, prayer meetings become dull. We kind of sit around. Mm, I don't know. Well, what do you think we should pray about today? Mm, I don't know. When someone says, well, you could pray for my Auntie Mabel. She's got a really bad shoulder. That's your Auntie Mabel. And you think, mm, is that really what this is about? That's actually what our church meetings were like in Sheffield uh, in the UK many years ago when we first started going to the church there. Um, and then our new church leader, Arnold Bell, uh, came and uh, he quickly shut them down. He cancelled the prayer meeting. Can you imagine coming in as a new church leader and that's what you're known for? The church leader who cancels the prayer meeting. We need to cancel them because they were deadly. They were terrible. But what he actually also started to do, and at first people didn't realize this, what he also started to do was he started to gather a group of guys to meet with him at his home on a Friday evening. I was one of them. And he taught us how to pray. He taught us how to really call out on God for things that we were believing for. And we were calling on him for in the church. And you know, as we gathered and we worshipped and we called on him, God's presence fell by his Holy Spirit and helped us in our church. And I tell you, they were powerful times. We would look forward. We were tired at the end. You know, we weren't working for the church or anything. We were tired at the end of a week on a Friday evening. But we looked forward to gathering there. We gathered for two hours 
on a Friday evening and we would pray. And then we would go back home at the end of it, just the guys at first, and we would tell our wives about it. And uh, after, uh, you know, they were just amazing. And they started asking to come. And after a while, I said, yeah, okay, yeah, you can come. So we would have about 20 people now in town, hand in, really calling on God, really encountering the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then and word started to get out about these prayer times. Visitors of people meeting at Arnold Park to pray, and the Holy Spirit falling, and there's all sorts of things going on. And so other people in the church started asking to come, and Arnold said, "No, no, you can't come." And uh, and people we kept meeting and we kept praying, and it was wonderful. And, and then people started complaining: we're not being allowed to come to the prayer time. People started like. What's going on? Why won't they let us come? It was actually quite hilarious because people hadn't wanted to come before. And eventually I said, okay, okay. We'll move these prayer meetings out of my house. We'll move it into our church building. And so if anyone can come, anyone can come. And they were packed out. They were packed out. We would get most of the church there. He taught 20 of us how to pray. And then we started modeling it to others who were there. And they were hungry for these things. And they were amazing. We had to see what a prayer time could be all about. Because there was so much to pray for. And it was very different from what it has been. The prayer meeting is where battles are fought and won. When Peter was in prison, they could have organized a protest. Peter's been locked up. Let's get a group of people out. Let's go and stand outside the prison. Let's show some force. Let's protest and, and have placards and call for his release. But they didn't do that. They went to somebody's house and they called on God in prayer. Because that was the most effective way to see Peter get released from prison. And God sent an angel and Peter walked straight out of the prison doors. And you know what? The people praying had, were surprised because they, didn't, they almost didn't quite believe it was going to happen so soon. And Peter knocks on the door and says, hey, let me in. And they're, they're like, no, no, it can't be Peter. Let's get back to calling on God to set Peter free from prison. No, he's there. He's at the door. The prayer meeting is the power source for a church on the move. It's the engine room. If a church isn't going anywhere, then we don't need any power. We don't need any power. And the prayer meeting is just kind of boring. If the church isn't going anywhere in faith, people end up praying about somebody's ingrown toenail. It's the most exciting thing of the evening. These disciples had a commission from Jesus. Go make disciples of all nations. They were on the move. They needed power. So they had to pray. Because there's always opposition to a church on the move. There's always opposition. They're coming up. As we're on the move, we come up against the gates of hell. Jesus tells us that we're coming up against the gates of hell. He says they won't prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church. But he's telling us we're coming up against the gates of hell. If we're on the move, we'll encounter opposition. And we at Christ Central have been given the same commission from Jesus. Go make disciples of all nations. So much to call on God for. Prayer is where the action is. Prayer is where the battles are won. 
It's the tangible altar on where God speaks to us and imparts faith. The story of Christ Central Church Fredericton is a story of winning battles and receiving vision from God in prayer, time and time again. Our vision to see churches rooted and established in the 12 university towns and cities in Atlantic Canada came out of a prayer meeting where we were seeking God. God, what do you want us to do? What's the specific mission that you have called us on? It came out of a prayer call. This building was won in prayer a few years ago. 15 years ago. We were offered the opportunity to buy this building from someone. But the city told us, no, 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 no. You can't have a church there. We've got our minds set on what we want for this land. And we want housing for it. We want it to be all part of our plan. So you can't change the, the usage on this building for a church because we've got our plans set. They were the authorities. But what a God said. What a God said. We pray. We pray. And the city changed their mind. They changed their mind. And even then, they wanted us to spend a fortune on environmental surveys and other things. Money that we, frankly, didn't have. So we prayed. And they dropped those requirements. And then they said, oh, you know what? You don't have enough space for parking. We don't have enough parking spots. So we prayed. And then they agreed, okay, you do have enough. And one by one, the mountains which were in our way moved. I don't know if some of you remember praying, but Brent Smith did a whole graphic of different mountains that we were facing. And he was like, we've got to pray that one by one, these mountains move by faith. And they did. They did. We bought this building in the last days of December 2019, just as a certain virus was beginning to spread in Thailand. And we, when we bought the building, we didn't think we were going to be able to use it at all until it was completely renovated with money that we did not have. But when the COVID restrictions came in, well, we could only meet with 50 people eventually. And so we prayed, we prayed. And then we contacted the city. And we said, will you allow us to meet here with just 50 people? Because they previously said, no, 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 you can't meet here the way the building is. Okay, but what about with 50 then? No, it's just 50. We said, oh, okay. Okay, you can meet with 50. And then bit by bit, we we prayed, and they enabled us to meet with more and more people. That's how we're here. This building has been won in prayer. I tell you, you may well have been involved in those prayers, or maybe you weren't, but you need to know we battled in prayer for this building. There are so many examples of winning the battle in prayer in our history. And now we're facing a fresh battle. We're renovating the room upstairs and our washrooms, but we're a long way from having the money for them. And the request has gone out into the city for the work to happen. We need to pray that they say yes. We haven't got the money to pay for it all at the moment. We've got some money because of gift days and, and money given in the past. We can't transfer money from our regular operating fund because we don't really have any. Our balance has been going down steadily over the last year. We're down to just around 13,000. Not so much. And we're also looking to plant into Halifax, which is going to take people from this church, as well as extra finances to do that. And we've got ongoing fruitful ministries in our local neighborhood, such as Kids Club, which I think is that going to be able to carry on? 
Have we got enough resources to do that? What's the people? Where, where are we going to see people serving from? We want to see local people encounter the life of Jesus. We've reached out to people in response to the tragic fire that happened a few weeks ago. There's potential opportunities in reaching out to 12 neighbors who are working in our warehouse there. What are other ways in which we can see people getting involved? How can we see God move powerfully? You know what? These are all battles. We have to win them in prayer. We have to win them in prayer. It's not going to happen otherwise. There's no other place to win them. And so we've called the church to 40 days of prayer. You can see why Gary said, now is the right time. There's all of this going on. We can't do it otherwise. Church, we need to pray. We've not called them to called you to 40 days of prayer in September and October because we think those are really quiet months. They're not. They're really busy months. We know we're all busy. But that's where the battles are going to be won. Otherwise, it's looking hopeless. Otherwise, it could be that we don't have the money to keep our regular operations going. And we don't have the money to pay for our renovations. And we won't have the people resources to keep things happening here as we close into Palestine. And we're just going to be at the mercy of whatever the big city leaders decide as they put in the past because we've not called on God. So we've been joining to pray. And it's encouraging that some of us have really embraced this. And as we've gathered, there have been some powerful times. Some powerful times. But I'll be honest. We're a month into this season of prayer, this 40 days of prayer. And the honest truth is, most of the church, the majority, more than 50%, have not made it out to any of those meetings. Now, it may well be you've been saying about those things at home. But I hope you're beginning to see that there's something biblical about coming together to pray. Something incredibly powerful about joining together as a church. So we would urge you to join us in calling out to God for all of these things and more. We're gonna, we've got one more week of our 40 days. We're, we're here tonight at 6.30 through 8.30. Tomorrow, 6.30 through 8.30. Tuesday, 6.30 to 8.30. And then next weekend, we've got our 24 hours of prayer, as Gary was saying. And we want people staying here throughout the whole of that time. We would love everyone to sign up for that 24 hours if you're able. We don't just want one person each hour. We want many people each hour. Now listen, I'm, not try- I'm honestly not trying to lay a guilt trip on anyone. I know how busy things are. September and October are busy months this year. Knowing what we are facing, knowing what we are facing, we have to respond as a church as the disciples were here and call out on God's together. It has to be a priority for us. I talked earlier about learning to battle in prayer in the UK. And back then in 1997, that's when it was, 1997, we were just purchasing a large building ourselves. And uh, it needed renovation, and the cost was £1 million. That's around $1.6 million, and that was back in 1997. And uh, we were a similar size church. And we had nothing. We had no finances. It was similar to how we are now. We didn't even have enough in the operating fund to pay our new church leader. We invited him up to lead us, and then the administrator told him on the first day, you do know we don't really have enough to pay you. That was great. <laughs> and he's the guy who stopped the church prayer meeting. That's what we were praying about in his home, not his salary. We were praying about all of these other things. 
because we couldn't pay him and we couldn't do all of our regular things and we had $1.6 million to find. And we didn't even have gift days. So we just paid, we called on God for the money. And, um, you know, eventually all the church were coming to put the gold in jail. Um, that's the family thing. We were all joining together and we were all calling on God um, for his finances. And we encountered the presence of God. Sometimes we didn't even really pray too much about the things because we were just encountering God's presence. And at the end, for the last five minutes, oh, we really need to pray about this finances. You know, because we're just loving God. But we called on God every single week for these finances. Because He was the one who was going to provide. I mean, we've got the option of some loans. We've got the option, potential option of some loans. But we didn't want to use them because we, we really didn't want to be paying off the interest. And we just had that extra money in our regular expenditure. So week by week, we were covered. And at the start of the month, and we paid off, we had the builders going. And every month, they would submit an invoice, every month, for about a year. And uh, by the end of the first, you know, they would say, okay, by the end of this month, we need £60,000. We need £60,000. We don't have anything. And so we'd say, every week, we would say, God, give us this money to pay off the bills this month. And by the end of the month, we had £60,000. And then the next week, it would be the start of the month. We'd say, okay, got a new invoice in, £80,000. That's what we're going for this month. Okay, we've got nothing. We've got nothing. Let's start. Call on God. We'd call on God. And by the end of the month, £80,000 would come in. Sometimes it was through gifts from other churches. Sometimes it was through totally unexpected areas. Sometimes it was through individuals in the church praying, God, will you give me the ability to give into this? And then they would see miracles and they would see unexpected things happen to everything as well. It was so exciting. We had so many stories and testimonies of how God had provided that month. But each month we would pay the bill on time, apart from one month. One month we got to the deadline and we did not have all of the money. We had some, but we didn't have all of the money. And our, and our church leader, Arnold, had to go in and he had to meet with the builders, the company, and he had to explain why he wasn't able to pay them the bill that month. He'd not got the money. And they said, what do you mean you've not got the money? You, you said we're doing this work. And he said, uh, you've kind of got to understand I've never had the money. Any money. He said, but don't worry. God's going to provide it. He's provided it already. You'll have it by... Monday, which is Friday. You'll have it by Monday. So we're really calling on God on the Sunday. We had it by Monday. Remember, we had some options of loans. We just weren't going to go there. But once we went, <laughs> we weren't abusing the relationship with the builders. Um, but we didn't want to go there. After a year of renovations, we were able to pay for the whole thing without taking on a loan. There was no pressure for anyone to give more than they wanted to. We were just praying together you know what? We're in a similar position here as we head into our renovations on this building. We've got some money in the capital fund from our last gift day, but as we come to the gift day next week, we're looking for God to provide a huge sum of money so that we can pay for these renovations. That's one of the reasons we've been doing this 40 days of prayer. 
That's why we've got 24 hours of prayer leading right up to the disco. Not because there's a pressure, but we're calling on God. We don't want to have to take out a loan. We don't. We don't want to be in debt. We have to win the battle in prayer together. Very briefly, let's look practically at how they did it. Verse 24 says, They raised their voices together in prayer. Togetherness is really important when we're praying. When the Roman army going, went into battle, they would join their shields, lock their shields together, and it was like they were packed, moving together. They were impenetrable. Nobody could come against them. That's what the church is to be like in battle. It may well be, as they, as they raise their voices together, maybe they, they all prayed out exactly the same time. Some churches do that. We've done it from time to time as well. I know some people are a little uncomfortable with it, but that's one way of praying. Everyone calling on God together. But it doesn't just have to mean that. It could be that actually the early disciples were together in the subject about what they were praying. They weren't just praying about their own private things. Sometimes it's good to pray about our own private things. But when we're together, it's good to be calling on God for the things that we call together into as a church. So they were focused on the goal. You're not allowed to speak about Jesus. Okay, that's what our topic is. They weren't going off and praying about lots of other things. That's what they were calling on God for. They were together. It's good to be focused. Sometimes we can get a prayer meeting and you get someone and they'll start praying on one thing and then they'll go and start praying about something else and they'll start praying about something else. And you think, oh, okay. And then they'll stop and then the next person will pray about something else. You think, oh, I'm getting quite dizzy here. I don't know, what, what are we praying about? It seems we're praying all over the place. We have to learn to pray together in each other's prayers. So when somebody prays, we're agreeing with them. We're not just sitting, waiting our turn, bored. Oh, we're engaging. We're praying. Yes, Lord. Yes, God, do that. Amen. We're, we're, we're thinking. We're praying. It doesn't matter if someone prays what you were going to pray. You know, have you ever had that where you're sitting and you think, oh, they prayed what I was going to pray. Can't pray now. Of course you can pray. Of course you can pray. You can say the same thing. You can say it in just different words. It doesn't matter. We're praying together. It could be as we're praying, someone gets really stirred in faith and they begin praying with a faith and passion that God is going to act and that can stir others in faith as well and then they come off the back of it and they're praying and the Spirit comes down and people are like, yeah, they were getting hold of this. That, what can, that can be what happens. Honestly, it was like that last Tuesday. I was at the prayer meeting here. Last Tuesday evening, that's what happened. People started getting hold of things and faith began to rise. You could tell in the room. When we pray and we call out to God together, it's a bit like a conversation. You know how it goes when you're chatting with someone, maybe around a meal time or something like that. You start talking about something and you stay on a topic for a while. And then eventually, after a while, the topic naturally moves on to something else. And that's what it's like we're praying together. We have a number of people, we're praying about something. And then as we, as we pray, something Connected might come up. We might start to move on to something else. But maybe we're praying about the building and the financing of it. And then maybe someone starts talking about, yes, Lord, we really want, we really want this building because we want to see people coming from the community uh, and using the building, using this room. And then someone might remember, oh, yeah, the Jewish. 
Remember that prophetic word that Rick Crosby brought last week when he was preaching about this building being like an ark and, uh, and, you know, just a place of refuge for people. So together we might start praying about that. See how things move on. They're all connected, but they move on. It's like a conversation. But if a prayer meeting was just one prayer for something and then another prayer for something else, it would be really disjointed conversation. It would just be weird to do that, wouldn't it, if you've got a group of people and someone says, oh, didn't the Blue Jays season end disappointingly this season? Yeah. And wasn't it a wonderful sunset last night? Mm. I wonder if Wayne Hicks is going to call an election. And you're like, what, what are we talking about here? Blue Jays? Sunsets? Wayne Hicks? What's going on? But it can be like that sometimes in our prayer time. So like, let's, we don't do that in conversation. So let's stick to something in prayer and it will move on naturally. We're together in our prayers. What did they say? They prayed this. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Start by encountering God. Start by encountering God. We need to get a glimpse of who God is, who we're coming to, and asking for the thing. The disciples, to be honest, they just heard some really discouraging news. Really discouraging news. Guys, just to arrest us, we wondered where we were. We're not allowed to preach. That's discouraging. The report is discouraging. It's a bit of a downer. And we can have that ourselves. We can come with discouraging news at first. You know, we have our prayer times and people ask, Marlene, Gail, others ask, what's the news? What's been happening? This is what they said. Not what we were hoping for. It's a bit of a downer. It's easy. And maybe things have happened in our own lives to discourage us. So we've got to start by getting a fresh perspective. Fresh view of an all-sovereign God. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth. Starting to remind ourselves who God is. That's why it's good to worship when we come together before we say, especially worship the new songs that remind us of who God is, what He's done, His faithfulness, His ability to act. Some of the songs that we were singing today, Great is Your Faithfulness to Me. We need to get our eyes fixed on Jesus. Fix my eyes on Jesus, my anchor to the ground. He'll never let me down. Okay, God. This is who we're coming to. We're reminding ourselves of all of that truth. We're not fixing our eyes on the mountain. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It doesn't come from the mountain. It doesn't come from looking at the mountain. It comes from you. Sovereign Lord, maker of heaven and earth. God's men and authority have told us we can't preach Jesus. But you, Lord, you're all powerful. You have authority over everything. Who are they in the face of you? They're getting a fresh perspective. The next thing to say is, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through King David. And we go on, why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain and the kings of the earth rise up? They're basically reminding God of what he said. Now those verses, and I'm sure they went on and quoted, it's from Psalm 2. I'm sure they didn't just quote those. But basically they were saying, okay God, you said the nations are going to, the kings are going to rise up against us. Rulers will rise up against us. You said that the opposition... But the psalm goes on with God saying, hang on though, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And he says, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance 
the ends of the earth, your possessions. There's all opposition is going to come. Kings will rise up. They'll take their stand. But I'm going to give you the nation. I'm going to make the ends of the earth your inheritance. This is what they're reminding ourselves. This is God reminding them. And they're thinking, you will give us the nation. We are going to make disciples of all nations. We can do what you've called us to do. We don't have to listen to them. We don't have to be discouraged by them. They're lining their thoughts and their hearts up with God's Good to remind ourselves of God's promises. And through prayer, remind Him of His promises, like Rich was saying last week. Probably not forgotten them, but maybe we have. But His focus in our hearts, it stimulates them. So we need to know our Bible. And we need to say, God, you said this in your word. You said this about this word. You said this about this and we, we need to remember the prophetic things and the promises God's spoken over us specifically as a church. Oh God, it doesn't look as though this is going to happen now. But this is what you said, so we're believing in you. You're a faithful God. And then we say, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So they're considering their threats. They're saying, oh God, this is what they said. God, enable your servants to speak your word. They don't say, consider their threats, Lord, and help us get out of here and escape. They don't say, consider their threats and just send fire down on them so we can do what you've called us to do. They say, consider their threats and enable us to speak your word with great boldness. They say to boldness, God, they've warned us not to preach. We're kind of scared. You told us to preach. You have the final authority. Give us boldness to do what you want in the face of this opposition. But the Sanhedrin are saying, hey, we've got the authority here. Stop it. So in his detail, we're demonstrating who's really in charge. We're demonstrating who the real king is. And then they say, now, Lord, now, Lord. It's like there's a turning point in their prayer. Here's the situation, God. Here's who you are. This is what you said. Now, Lord. Ability to speak with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, perform signs and wonders. It's almost like this sense is we've got this in prayer. We've got it. We've called on God and He's going to answer us. Sometimes we pray and God answers right away. Like Elijah on Mount Carmel, you know, where He calls out for fire to come down. The fire comes down immediately. And sometimes we don't get the answer straight away. Same guy, Elijah. Prayed for rain. God was actually supposed to rain. Pray for rain again, doesn't rain. Send someone out to rain his clouds, no, no clouds. Seven times he's praying for rain. Sometimes we pray and we don't see the answer straight away, but we will see it. Keep praying and praying. And there'll come a time when we think, yes, God, you know what, I see a cloud. Now it's there, it's small as a man's hand, I see a cloud. In this prayer time, this prayer is God's power from the down. And meeting places faithfully. This is how we speak the word of God boldly. We do what we've asked God to do. Give us boldness. Whew, we've encountered your presence now. Holy Spirit, come down. We're going out. We're going out to do what we've been told not to do, but you've told us to do it. And church, we've got to keep fighting. And our corporate prayer times are the place where we're going to do it. They really are. 
has so much to say about all the things that I've said, but also other things in society which are just bringing confusion and despair to so many, teaching value systems in our schools all over. You know what? We can't expect the government to, to change people's morality by changing the law. We have to pray for a powerful encounter of the Holy Spirit so that God transforms who we are. Gives us boldness. Because it's the church that's going to change the atmosphere. It's the church. And to be honest, it's not going to be through protests and arguments. It's going to be through people's hearts being won over by the love of Christ. And that battle is going to be won in prayer. As we pray together here. We're not escaping the world to pray. We're fighting our battle here. This is where we fight our battle. We can see the power of God go out from here in that little area in there as we pray, into Atlantic Canada. We can pray that we're going to be involved in vibrant spiritual churches, proclaiming the Word of God in Halifax, Charlottetown, Wolfsburg, St. John's, St. John's, Moncton, other places where people are living in the wilderness. That's what God's put us in for. That's why we're here, to have a huge impact across these neighbourhoods. Together that these churches are planted, rooted, established, shining the light of Christ into the darkness. Pray for people to be saved. You know what? 2022, we didn't have any. We didn't have any. We've had a handful this year. Let's pray for more people to be saved. Let's pray. Pray for every month. Let's pray for every month. Someone to be baptized. Things can look pretty bleak. You know what? As we look at the headlines, of where we're at as a church now, it can look pretty bleak. But look what happened. Church could have ended in Acts 4. It really could have ended. Stamped out in its early days. But instead, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The gospel was proclaimed. The church grew. God's kingdom advanced. And now Christianity spread all around the globe and it's reached an influence on society has been huge, nation after nation. And we might think things are pretty dark here in the West. You know what? God is still sovereign. God is still sovereign. His promises remain. Let's pray together. Even this evening, let's call on Him in faith to see things change. To strengthen our feeble arms and our weak knees. To win the battles we have ahead. To win them in faith. In the engine room of prayer. I'm going to invite the band back up just as we close. together as a church. You know, there's going to be a cost. It's going to be a cost. The cost of our time, the cost of our preferences, financial costs, all sorts of costs. The question is, what do we want? Church, what do we want? What do we want our church to be like? Are we satisfied with where we are now? I know I'm not. I'm not. I'm grateful for where we are now. I'm not satisfied. Because there's always more. You know, for a while, many of us will know this, some might not. For a while, as a church, we met weekly in the Fredrickson Convention Center. Major convention center. We met weekly there. You know what? It cost us. It cost us. It cost us over $2,000 a week. Great building. It cost us. Actually, we decided the cost was too much. We went from there to Devon Middle School. 
into the gym. <laughs> we didn't have to pay as much, Dad. <laughs> but it was quite different. <laughs> now listen, we're not about building. We're not about building at Church Church. Honestly not. We're renovating this building, not because we want to new house. We're not trying to be a conventional house. We believe God's put us here to be a resource for the community and our life. And we have many promises over into the church coming up. Not just here, but all over our country coming up. The question is, how much do we want these things to happen? Do we want to walk into them? If we want our church to come into that, it's going to cost us more. It's going to cost us more. And not just financially. We have to ask ourselves, do we want Christ Central Convention Center model or Christ Central just seven minutes model and not the building. I'm talking about who we are. I'm talking about our influence on the city. I'm talking about our influence in the region and in our nation. We are. I'm talking about the commission that God has given us. Oh, to Atlantic Canada. If we want it, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us in many ways. God's even spoken to us this morning through Gary about that, hasn't he? There are some things we want to lay down. Things that we trust in. Things that are comfortable. The things that take up our time and our attention. It will cost us. It will cost us to leave our nest. It will cost us to follow Jesus where he goes. But you know what? We are going to win the battle. If we want it, we'll win the battle in prayer. Because as we pray, we will see more and more of who God is. And as we pray, our heads will be lifted from the setback and the disappointment. And as we pray, we will remember God's promises to us and faithful lives that will bring us down. And as we pray, we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and be bold in what God's called us to do. And we'll gladly lay down those things. Because we've seen a pearl of great price. We've seen something so much more going to win out in prayer. We're going to see that in prayer. That's what these four stages of prayer are about. Join us. Join us. Join us this evening. I don't have time to do this. Listen. Join us. Join us. Come out tonight. Let's call on God together for the things that we've done. Let's worship.